When I started the podcast, one of the people that I interviewed on the podcast was someone called Jeremy Bowman. I don't know if that rings a bell. Within an episode, if you go back to episode 24, you listen to someone who was working or had just started like a startup in the legal tech scene. And I was on his podcast today, by the way. He has a podcast. Um, I'll link it down in the description box below. So make sure to go and check that out. But now he's back on our podcast. Now he's one of the, I believe, the second guest to make a comeback onto the marketing podcast. And we are glad to have him. And, you know, we have tons of questions that we want to ask him on his journey, on his venture. And I believe most of you will be interested in that. So something different uh, from some of the series we've been doing on the marketing podcast, different from the Agency Life series, uh, where we tend to bring like, you know, experts and professional marketing that we get to listen to someone who's in a different field, but also still in an entrepreneurship, which is kind of the same vertical. So exactly that is what we're going to talk about in today's podcast episode. Stick around. See you in a few seconds. And welcome back to yet another episode on the Marketing Podcast, Digital Marketing Tips and Insights, episode 227. Now, like I mentioned in the intro, we have a guest today, someone we've already had on the podcast, one of the first guests on the podcast, if not the first guest uh, on the Marketing Podcast when we were starting out, I believe around two years ago. And that is none other than the founder and CEO of a legal tech company called Legal Pithia. That is Jeremy Bowman. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for being back again. It's a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. And, and also, it's, it's an honor for me to also uh, be able to feature on your podcast as well. Like I mentioned, Jeremy has his own podcast that he's launched uh, today. Link will be down in the description box below. So make sure to go and check that out and listen to that interesting topics um, on the podcast. Especially in the episode, we talk a lot about entrepreneurship and I get to be interviewed, which is something that never really happens. Um, so you get to listen to me from a different perspective, which is, you know, kind of interesting. So Jeremy, um, from the top of my head, uh, how are you doing and what I've been up to? Yeah, um, I'm doing really great, uh, really on my entrepreneurial journey. I've been up with Legal Pythia for about two years. We've been doing a bunch of new projects. There's a bunch of traction, which is really good. Got our first hire from a thing called Kickstart Scheme in the UK. Uh, if you're a company in the UK, just try to apply for that. It basically gives an unemployed person between 16 and 24 years old a chance to uh, really have an employment opportunity 
and they get paid minimum national wage by the British government, and you get paid 1,500 pounds also to employ them for six months. So we, we got a person there. We also got an intern from Harriet Watt University from Edinburgh for the year of 2022 uh, in junior business development. We also have uh, two apprentices apprenticeship program from Glasgow working like as software engineers one one time a week and we also are applying to get also another intern from University of College London UCL for data analytics we just got a patent from NASA licensed paid around $500 for a context-based management system kind of tracks enterprise decisions which is also really cool and we're really taking part of different projects we talked to two different researchers in Austria, one at TU Wien, uh, Vienna, University of Vienna, who uh, really want to go for like EU funding with us. So there might also be like a good opportunity. And also a professor at Ulm University asked me to pitch like legal Pythia. So yeah, things things are starting to go place. Wow, sounds like a lot of things have been happening on your on your end. Um, interesting. Now. On your podcast, you asked me a couple of things that I feel it's in the best interest of our audience because the question you had asked me, I was the one answering them and they were getting like answers from my perspective. But we'd also like to hear things from your own perspective. How do you see entrepreneurship? How do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? And how has your journey been? been like uh, especially in the startup world because uh, you know we are both working in startups but my case is different different from your case because you know an agency is sort of like not necessarily it's something that has been done before uh, you know I'm not the first person to come up with an agency you know uh, there are business models already in existence for agencies but in your case you're coming up with something new in the industry, not many uh, competitors, you're sort of like in a blue ocean. How has that been for you? Yeah, um, first I want to let the audience know that I don't have like an entrepreneurship background. Uh, I'm a former law student. I got an LLM Incorporated Financial Law from the University of Glasgow, that's in Scotland. Uh, my dad is a programmer, so I, don't, I haven't really started a business up to two years. Uh, it's been it's been a hard hard uh, a ride. I've learned some hard lessons. Uh, dealing with big corporates is really hard because they're in a power position. You're not. They might. I made some mistakes there. You know, you might think you have a deal with them, and then like three days later or three months later, they ghost you. So you have to be prepared for that. You have to be ruthless if you go into that. You have to learn a lot about your industry. Uh, I I still need to learn more. So we need to learn more. We talk to customers, which is important, I think. But there's still like so much more to learn. I think it's just learning every day and trial and error is the most important thing in in my opinion. But um there's also like lots of opportunities, like building a podcast, something I have never done. Today was the first day I did that. It's it's been really great. But specifically talking about legal Pythia and uh, legal technology. We're doing basically explainable AI to organize, categorize, and search through legal information. It's it's something novel because like a lot of people are not really open to it. 
And the people that are open to it are maybe like law firms that want to profit off that technology by themselves. So it's, you have to do some convincing, which is, which is kind of storytelling in a sense. You have to tell a story. You have to, what is the why? Why should they care? What is it for them? You got to really sell what you're trying to do. Uh, you also got to be realistic, though. Um, I, I like, I, I'm a dreamer. I like, you know, I like building things or inventing things off the top of my head. But sometimes they're not really realistic. Um, what we're currently doing is like data encryption for our software. I can put that out. That's not really something. Uh, important information, but it's something that lawyers really care about. And we really didn't think that lawyers cared about that that much. But this is something that has nothing really to do with our offering as AI. I mean, AI models really learn with the data, but it's something really completely different. But we didn't think it was going to be a so important part of the product. But now it has been, and now we have to really think different. How are we going to encrypt the data? How are we going to protect data to even get our product to be tested out? And how did you come up with the idea of starting like an you know, a startup in like the legal tech space and working with AI? Because it's not like anyone, you know, sits down who's studying law and decides, okay, I'm going to start a startup company that does AI and uh, it's going to be applied in the legal industry. How did you come up with that idea? Because uh, I remember the time you shared with me that idea, it was very unique and I was also quite new in the AI space. I didn't know much about AI. You actually got me interested in AI. That's how I also got into like AI stuff in marketing. But how did you get into that? Like what pushed you to go into like AI in legal tech and decide, okay, this is actually something that we can try out, see whether that works out or not. And, you know, legal PTA came about. How did that unfold? Yeah, um, I would say it's a, a mix of uh, random events, but also like curiosity. My dad is a, a computer scientist. Um, he also has like a PhD in AI, uh, but I never really wanted to go that route because like I always thought like I don't want to be like a code monkey, which is, which is I call like a lot of developers that just do it for the money. Um, so I rather, I, like, I love to read and that's why I studied law. And when I was an intern at a big law firm, they called Linklater's LLP in Frankfurt, Germany. I worked in a technology, media, and telecommunications team. There, I saw really my mentor struggle with like manually organizing information. She had like a bunch of paperwork. She was stressed. She had to really go out there till like 3 a.m. She had to stay in the law firm. And I just thought about that problem and thought, how could I maybe solve that problem? What was that idea? At that time, I also met you. And you have, like, really an entrepreneurial spirit. And it kind of, like, went over to me as well. So I thought about maybe the problem is different. And, you know, it was a time where I didn't really have anything to lose. I was going to go to uh, Glasgow to get an LLM. I can still do my bar exam. So I was like, okay, why not come up with, like, a, a idea that maybe solves that problem? And that's how I came up with Legal Pythia as well. Interesting. And in the whole process of coming up with the idea of legal Pythia and starting to implement that because I can imagine also being an entrepreneur myself that it's not that easy it's not like a streamlined process where you know we move from from step a to step b to step c etc it's never that really 
clear. What are some of, because you you also mentioned that, you know, dealing with like large corporates, it's, you know, not that easy. I mean, we can equate that maybe to dating in some sense. Um, but like, what are some of the like big hurdles? Like just mention one probably that you had to overcome to move like to the next stage. Yeah, sure. Um, I think one of the things uh, which we kind of so struggle with is convincing, convincing people that are in power. I'll give you an example. We got accepted to the MDR lab, which is basically like Y Combinator for legal tech startups uh, in London. So we got paid of that, like got a like salary. It was like for six months. And then, you know, we worked with the expert and, and stuff like that. And at the end of that uh, program, there was a pitch to like investors, right? So yeah, I spent like two, three months just working on their pitch, practicing every day. And I gave the pitch, right? And uh, the guy cut me off like within like five minutes. Like just, you know, he just, it wasn't, I don't think he was rude or something like that. Uh, if he hears it, uh, there's no hard feelings, but uh, he just cut me off straight up. I think it's just a corporal world. And he was like, all right, uh, he he told me his thoughts and then like this this that but he didn't invest in us which was the story so I just got you just got to imagine it was like two months of really customer working uh, customer validation coming out with the pitch deck testing the pitch deck and that got destroyed in like five minutes and that was that was crushing and um, that also taught me a lesson though that you have to really have your stuff together if you go to these big corporates or to, to go to any client. Because these are people that don't really play around and, you know, they either say yes or no. There's no, okay, you're my friend, this and that. You still, it's, it's business. Okay. And what are some of the highs that you've had, you know, working in a startup and, you know, being a founder? Because you've talked about, you know, challenges you face, but what are some of also the highs, like the good side of having a startup? Yeah, there's, uh, there's plenty of highs. Um, the culture, the company culture, I can really define myself. Uh, you you have to be patient and have to wait for results, I think. But they will come, and when they come, you will enjoy them so much. Like now, we're about to hire like five to six people. I know they're just interns, but that's still growing. Let's just give us the help that we need. We might do a project with two, two researchers in Austria um, and might get EU funding for that and also have like big clients like uh, Walters Kleibert be a part of that consortium. That is really good traction for the company, whatever that happens. Uh, there's also from NASA, there's, there's a patent, which is also amazing, you know, gives traction, branding and, and stuff like that. And we also get accepted to like multiple like accelerators and things like that. So things are growing, but um, they're growing slowly, but the highlights are definitely worth it. And it's just been amazing doing, doing your own thing and also getting kind of recognition from society on okay. and in your podcast we talked about leadership we talked about you know being affirmative when it comes to making decisions and one of the things that i mentioned was was on you know hiring and firing and they talked about you know my case where i had to make my first fire which was not you know a good experience for myself it's something i've never done it's something I don't like doing at all. Um, it's never a comfortable situation to fire someone. It's usually good to hire someone, um, but firing someone is never a good feeling. And, you know, 
I also mentioned, I talked about, you know, my first, you know, the first kind of people that I, that I had in the agency were to do with sales and accounting. You know, some of the things that I don't necessarily like doing and, you know, were some of the things that, you know, were taking a lot of time off my plate. Um, so I needed to find people to do that for me. When it comes to hiring, like, what are sort of like the first positions you look into? Because you always start out, you know, you always start out as a one-man kind of band. Or maybe if you're partnered with someone else, you're two people, but most is usually one person starting everything. Uh, what are what are sort of, sort of like the first role or talent that you look for, like in your case now? Yeah, um, it depends like on on the business need. I always we always look for uh, people that can code, just the nature of our business, of course. But um, to be honest, I'm looking for people that have completely different skill sets and also mindsets than I have. Because I think that's just like brings the company uh, further. Because I think you can do a lot by yourself. You know, there's there's been startups that made it Amazon almost by Jeff Bezos did it by himself. But I think to learn and to grow and to really you know scale your company, you need that outside talent or you need talent that you know people that have a better understanding in some some topics than you do. Uh, because I have a law background for myself, that's business. So I'm looking for junior business development managers, people that study business, um, or even people that can analyze business data. A uh, perfect example is now the intern coming in from UCL, uh, London. It's a business analyst or data analyst. So they're going to analyze the data that we kept track of in the past to develop new strategies. And I think that's just complementary skills to your skill set is what I'm looking for. The other thing, though, is what I'm looking for is character because you got to be on the same team. You got to be on the same stage. You have to be on the, on, on the same page as well. There has been in the past, you know, a lot of founders that left um, technical co-founders, CTOs, because, of course, okay, a startup, we can't really pay them, can't pay them money. I, I get it. I do understand it. But it's also a level of commitment. So if there's if there's like a person that you have you have a business and you're looking for a person, also look if they're willing to commit. I mean, you can't really tell at the beginning, but you'll see over time. And don't get emotional about it. Just you know, let time pass, and you know, time tells everything. Okay. And what what does the future now look like for Legalpedia for the next uh, foreseeable future, two, three, or maybe five years from now? Yeah. Since um. There, we have a couple of projects, like I said, with, uh, with a couple of, of law firms and, and researchers. We're trying to get that out. We're trying to get our prototype out, meaning we're, we're developing a prototype, getting customer feedback. We're looking to get this EU project starting uh, to get the funding and then to get some traction in that industry. Once we had that, we believe we can you know, get more clients. There's also this thing in, in Glasgow, also funded from the EU. It's like an accelerator. We, we talked to the person who's responsible for that. It would take 5%, which is the EU as an investor would take 5%. And then they would help us get clients and, you know, things like that. Even if this fails, they'll still connect you to like corporates, which is a good opportunity um, for us. I see this company in, in five years as being very innovative, as, you know, having a couple of tractions with a couple of uh, uh, clients, whether they be like, corporates or even smaller, medium-sized law firms. That would be great as well. Uh, but we're also looking into other things. I mean, that's important for me that we're not just 
like short-sighted. I know every business has to have one focus, but for me, I think we're currently doing like a project with the FCA in regards to green tech data, like companies that report ESG data, often like greenwash them. Greenwashing is like, you know, lying about your, your numbers. And we're trying to track that with the patent we got from NASA. Those are the kind of the project we're looking to capitalize on and sell it. What's your thoughts? Uh, what's your thought on artificial intelligence? Because we've seen like a huge growth in AI, like in the recent past, especially from like, the industry that I'm in, in martech and ad tech industry. Uh, we've, we've seen a lot of growth, and we've embraced most of it. Uh, most of the technological advancements that have come with AI, because most of them have sort of like improved on efficiency and all of that. Um, which efficiency comes down to time and money cost. You don't want to spend a lot of money. But what's your thought on AI and in and its future? Yeah, um, let me start. I think AI is a great technology, has like great potential, um, is automizing certain processes. Having said that, uh, to be honest, I think often it's overhyped because people make you know, they act like it's, it's, it's Jesus or whatever, and they can solve anything. AI can't really solve everything in life, you know, and it can't it can really drive a business to be better. Uh, but you have to be realistic about it, I think. AI has been there for like 20, 30 years. So it, it's been there. It, it's nothing new. I think it's just the development of it. Having also said that, though, I think AI is, is an amazing technology. It can, you know change so many industries like even the legal tech industry and do so many things that humans can't but i think humanity shouldn't be scared of ai in that sense but you have to be careful what kind of data you feed them uh in terms of there has been there has been project in the u.s where they fed you know like a crime ai software for the police types of data and of course you know uh people with like african-american descent were like automatically like detected by the AI and, and that's very dangerous. I think whoever has the control of the data has a control of the AI, which can be a good thing, can be a dangerous thing as well. As a technology though, I think AI is up there with uh, quantum computers, uh, you know, blockchain and all that things. What's the thought on Elon Musk? Oh this I mean hard... he's Jesus for me. I don't know about you. Oh this is a that's a hard question, but that's a that's a very good question. Um, no, I think Elon Musk is a, a very very great guy. Um, like his inventions has been amazing. I personally, I am not a fan of of Tesla more. I I like more SpaceX to be honest. It's just my personal opinion. Uh, Elon Musk, if you hear this, do not, <laughs> please do not hate me. Um, it's just a reason because SpaceX is just like it really benefits humanity. You know, there's really something, something new. It's just something like going out of space, commercializing that. That's just, I think that's really amazing. Alone for that, Elon Musk is, is up there with, with the best entrepreneurs. Um, but of course he has his faults, like every human has his faults, you know. Uh, I think the way he treats like employees and, and you know, people sometimes harsh do that better like you know show more like a little bit of empathy i think he, what he's doing though like you know he's selling his house and you know he might look into spending his millions that's amazing as well and his genius is unparalleled i mean if i can even like reach half or like a quarter of that that's 
that'd be that'd be amazing. But I think Elon Musk is all around a special person. I personally though have to say that my favorite entrepreneur is Steve Jobs. It's just because he has crossed in so many industries that are like not really related. The difference between between Elon Musk and Steve Jobs is like Elon Musk, you know, he's a really technical guy, but Steve Jobs, he can understand something like Apple, a computer company, but then he can, you know, drop out or get fired and then start Pixar, like a movie company, or you know, sell that to Disney. He can he can start next. Like he was so versatile, which I very inspired about him as well. Interesting. I think I like Elon Musk because of Dogecoin. I don't know what's your, what are your thoughts about Dogecoin. It's an interesting um, conversation to have. I have uh, my opinion on that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm not a I'm not an expert in Dogecoin. Like I have to I have to learn about that like more. Uh, to be honest, I don't really have a clue. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think it's because I had that in college, like that problem with investors and people investing in things they don't really understand about. Uh, I think. I think people should really learn about Dogecoin before they invest in it because often people capitalize on that because the markets fluctuate, you know, they're volatile, so they're up and down. So if everybody buys that, with same with GameStop stocks, at a certain point, people will sell that. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's uh, amazing. But that's the same thing. Facebook also brought out a coin or they even tried that or even the currency. And it's, there's so many things going on. I think if you want to do that, then go ahead. You can make money off of that, but you have to, you have to have knowledge before playing. My opinion. I think you can make an analogy on um, what you mentioned on giving AI like the wrong kind of data on the impact it can have. And I think if you look at Elon Musk as an AI and sort of like the power he has, and how that has, you know rolled over on twitter like every time this guy tweets on dogecoin and you know people just go wild and buy dogecoin without even thinking about you know what's actually behind that so i think you can make an analogy between uh you know between the two um where can people find you yeah uh really good question you can find me on linkedin uh name is jeremy borman you can Visit our website. It's uh, com. You can connect there with us. Uh, my email address is jeremy at legalpythia.co.ca. You know, I'm an open person. I know it's hard for people that want to connect with mentors and stuff like that. Just show me an email. Um, I'm a really easygoing guy. I'm not really a, a, a formal guy. I'm not really a, a, I don't really like formalities. That's just me. Um, so just shoot me a message or on Instagram, again, Legal Pythia. So yeah, if you, I'd love to connect, just send me something over. I think if you think you have, you know, talent, whether that's in business, whether that's in law or maybe tech, coding and stuff, reach out to Jeremy. Maybe you might get a chance of working at Legal Pythia. You never know, just you know, send out your resume, send out your, um, your portfolio, whatever it is, uh, let him have a look at it and maybe... If you're, you know, up for the trust, maybe you might you know, get an internship role or something. You never know. So make sure to do that. Can people actually work remotely for Legal Pythia? Yeah, definitely. Um, like all the people that work for Legal Pythia or Legal Pythia at the moment, uh, they work remotely. 
So we have great mechanisms to do that. It, it works really well at the moment. Um, and in the future, we also plan to do that. Uh, we're always looking for people who are motivated, um, you know, bring something new to the table and just want to have a great company culture as well. All right. There you have it. That was Jeremy Bowman, episode 227. If you have any questions, reach out to me, Augustine at serverdigital.io. But until then, see you guys on the next podcast episode.